Hello, everybody. It's good to see you. It's good to be here as a family. It's like everyone I care about is right here. So it's awesome. It's good to be with you tonight. So um, the other day, um, my wife and I, we were driving um, down the Poudre Canyon, and it was so icy and snowy, and it was horrible, and it was getting dark. And, um, and I have this thing about driving on the ice and snow, and it's just like, it's just not a good thing. It's like this phobia. So the speed limit down the Poudre Canyon is 40 miles per hour, and so I was going 35, and I was proud of myself because it's pretty close, you know, to the speed limit. And but it's on the ice and snow, and I'm terrified. I'm like, you know, gripping my steering wheel and holding it tight. And then this guy and his wife come up behind me in their in their big truck, and and it, it, they like they're like trying to get me to go faster, like a foot from my bumper. I'm like, get off my back, you know. And I'm just like, you know, I'm scared because he's right there, and there's there's ice and there's curves, and I'm scared if I just break a little to slow down. They He's going to go into me, and, and I start praying, God, God, please just tell him to get back. God, just get him back. And in, my, in the same time, I thought, you know, he's probably praying to God, saying, get him out of the way. You know, I got places to go. And, and, and a couple of times I saw him put up his hands, like, come on, come on. And like, so I feel bad. I feel like, and I feel angry, and I don't know what's going on. Like, God, help me. And then, then so for 45 minutes, you know, this, this guy is on my tail, and it's crazy. And, and then finally, the road expands out, right? It's like, oh, thank you, just pass me. And so they could hear the engine of his truck, you know, y'all have heard that, right? You know, and then he swerves over and then he starts going. And so I have this thing, if someone like, like does something wrong to me, I want the respect of them staring me in the eye or something like, like, you see me, see me. And so my wife hates that. It's like, don't do it, KG, please don't do that. And I'm like, I have to. They did this for 45 minutes. And so, so I'm driving like this and I turn my head. And it's like, look me in the eye, own it. You know, the fact that you have been on my tail the whole time. And so, so this car's coming and the first person I see is his his life in the passenger side side window and she's staring at me she's mad and, and I see her and, and then her eyes get really big and, and like and then at the same time this guy's arm was coming up and then her arm her hands went down like pressing his arm down like don't do it and so 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 as he's doing this thing and she's she's like you know probably praying to God please don't do something stupid and you know and, and my Life is like, please don't give him the evil eye, and please don't. I mean, all these prayers are just being flung out everywhere. It's like God's up there going, "Be quiet," you know. And so he's, and then, and then they like swerve out around me, and they had a Christ Community bumper sticker. It was amazing. And I like, first, like, I was like, that is the best story in the world. I can't wait to tell it. And uh, they had a crazy meeting bumper sticker. And then like her eyes was like, she knew me, you know, she was mortified. And it was just the best thing ever. And so, so on the topic of prayer, because, you know, our topic is prayer. We're talking about praying and, and uh, the 
truth is, is if that's how people pray, if that's what prayers are, if all prayers are simply, God, get this person off my butt. God, you know, get this person out of the way. God, don't do anything stupid. God, you know, like protect my husband. You know, oh God, forgive me. I mean, if that's all God, uh, prayers are, it's this means of controlling you know, other people or protecting ourselves or, or this idea of comfort or, or this, do you know what I mean? That, then the average person has a fantastic prayer life. But the truth is, is that prayers and praying is, is so much more than just controlling a situation. It's so much more than being comfortable. It's so much more than having our will and our heart be done. In fact, biblically, what is it? It's, it's that God's will is done. Done. And, and, and I don't know about you, but, but oftentimes the prayers that I have, they don't have too much power, right? And biblically, you see people in the Bible all the time who have these earth-shattering prayers. They have earth-shattering prayers, like the prayers that they pray, actually, that they have teeth and talons, and they sink into things, and they cause things to happen. And, and, and I want that sort of prayer. I want to learn how to have earth-shattering prayers, I want that sort of prayer life. And some of us here, we also want earth-shattering prayer lives. Some of us here just want to know how to pray. Some of us here haven't ever prayed before. Some of us don't even know what a prayer is. And if you fall into any of those categories, I'm really glad you're here because we are in a sermon series called Prayer. Um, It's a sermon series on prayer, and the subtitle is Connecting Our Hearts to God. Because prayer is so much more than tossing out a hope or a dream or God help me. It actually is connecting our hearts to God. And someone who did this in a brilliant, brilliant, beautiful, poetic way is this guy in the Old Testament whose name is Nehemiah. Nehemiah, there we go. Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is someone whose story was so much bigger than he ever thought it would be. He found himself in the situation that he was almost bringing back the glory of Jerusalem. It had been torn down, blown up, destroyed, desecrated. And he found himself seeing the city of his forefathers, seeing his, the city of his, the ancestors, and seeing the city that his God dwelled over destroyed. And it broke his heart. And it brings him to this place of prayer. So today's topic is the places that prayers come from. The places that prayers come from. And we're going to go into Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4 and on. Or or in Christ's community terms, 4 and beyond. How's that? All right. So I just came up with that one. All right. So so as a congregation, we're going to do this together. There are three slides here. So it's a doozy. Here we go. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. 
I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly against you. We have not yet obeyed the commands, decrees, and the laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instructions you gave your servant Moses saying, you, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even your exiled people are at the furthest horizon. I will gather them from there and bring them to the place that I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was a cupbearer to the king. That's a prayer. It's a really long prayer. It's a really heartfelt prayer. And, and as far as like a passage in the Bible go, it makes a ton of sense. It's like, like Nehemiah comes to this place that his heart is broken and he calls out to God and he says this super long, beautiful, poetic, calling upon the power of God to see his people and, and to redeem their property. And it comes to an end and then he just tosses sin at the end, I was a cupbearer to the king. And that's the end of the chapter. It's the end of the chapter. Like, it blew my mind. Like, so I was going through this whole thing. I'm like, oh yeah, this is a really great prayer. And this is really beautiful. And then I come, and I was a cupbearer to the king. It's like, what does that have to do with anything? It doesn't have to do with his prayer at all. But the truth is it has to do with everything. The, the, so I want to talk to you just briefly about the identity of the person who is praying this prayer. The identity of Nehemiah, who was a cupbearer to the king Xerxes of Persia. King Xerxes is this all-powerful king. Some people said he was a god. And Nehemiah is this Hebrew person who somehow become, becomes his cupbearer. Bearer. And what a cup bearer is, some of us will know very simply, that is someone who taste tests everything. He test tastes the food, he taste tests the, the wine, he taste tests everything before giving it to the king, making sure it's suitable for the king to eat, making sure it's suitable for the king to drink, making sure it's not poisoned. Furthermore, cup bears are very, very hard to come by. According to um, the study that I did, being a cupbearer is, is, is almost parallel to being the most trusted advisor of the king. It's someone who has integrity, someone who has authority, someone who always has the ear of the king. Whenever you are a cupbearer, you are the closest thing to the king. That isn't the king. Furthermore, you sit at the right hand of the king as the cupbearer. Bearer. If you are a poet at all, your head is starting to go right now. Because there's a lot of very, very cool things as far as Nehemiah being the cupbearer, who is a Hebrew person, who is the cupbearer, the most trusted advisor and authoritarian. He carries power, integrity, and trust to the Persian king Xerxes. This is amazing. 
To be a cup bearer, you hold integrity. To be a cup bearer, you don't pass on anything you yourself have not tasted yet. To be a cup bearer, you are trusted. And so this cup bearer, this identity of cup bearer is important for Nehemiah to say, I was a cup bearer to King Xerxes. And this posture as cup bearer, this posture you know, as trusted advisor, this posture of I don't pass anything on until I've tasted it quite yet is the same posture that he prays this prayer from. It's the same posture he approaches the city of Jerusalem in. It's the same posture of he goes into it, he sees it, he has authority, he has conviction, he has morality, he, he's trusted. And so this prayer begins with this cup bearer of the king of Persia because he has heard that Jerusalem has collapsed and everything is destroyed and horrible. And it says his heart is broken. His heart and he mourns and he cries. So over the past five days, some people and I have gotten together and talked about the five day fast that our church has had. And so I was talking to some people like, hey, how did your fast go? You know, and, and, and I was talking to someone and he said, well, I actually didn't fast at all. I'm like, how come? And he goes, well, I just have a super heavy heart. I don't, I don't feel close to God at this point. And I have this really heavy heart. There's a lot of horrible things happening at home and I just don't feel like it's okay for me to fast. And so that happened. And then the following day, I was talking to someone else who said, I don't feel like I'm at that point kind of in the spiritual life that I have um, to fast. I have a hard enough time just praying. And so I don't think I'm all set to fast yet. And so it just brought up this idea of, of broken people feel like they can't pray. This is a simple thing. Like, like whenever we are broken, whenever we are hurt, whenever we feel f- far from God, we often have this, this conviction of we cannot approach God, which is the furthest thing from the truth. If you read the Bible, you find that every good earth-shattering prayer comes from someone who is broken, hurting, empty, devastated, defiled, broken, in prison. Half the Bible was composed in prison. You know, I mean, if you look at all the good, talented, teeth, blood prayers, they all come from people that are like, what is happening? Why is this going on? Why are the walls of Jerusalem? Why did this person die? Why am I alone? Why, why, why? And so whenever we have this posture of, I feel too far from God to pray, or I feel too broken to pray, or horrible things are happening to me so I can't pray. Whenever you are broken and hurting, you are in great company of everyone in the Bible who has ever said a prayer. Prayers that come from Pain and brokenness and hurt are pregnant with earth-shattering possibilities. And this prayer of Nehemiah was born from him saying, I was sobbing and I was weeping and my heart was broken. If you are someone who has had a broken heart over something that has happened to you personally, something that has happened to your family, something that has happened to your city, something that's happened globally. If you have had your heart broken, you are pregnant with an earth-shattering prayer. Pray from that. 
because there is power in our brokenness. God does great things with brokenness and heartfelt. Whenever you, just like Nehemiah, come to a place and you say, this is not okay. This is not okay. This has happened and it's not okay. That's where prayers begin. This is not okay. How many of us have had someone close to us pass away and it's like, this is not okay. How many of us have been fired? This is not okay. How many of us have gone through hardships at home with our kids? And this is not okay. It is okay for Christians to cry out. This is not okay. We should be the ones crying out. This is not okay. So whenever we come to a place of this is not okay, whenever we adopt that posture of Nehemiah and we're, we're crying and we're brokenhearted and we're fasting and we're crying out, God, redeem your people. Where do we begin? So let's go back to this passage in Nehemiah and see how he begins his prayer. So as a congregation, again, please. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. This is how Nehemiah starts his prayer. You start it with calling upon who you are praying to. And this, for some of us, we'd say, oh, that's counterintuitive. But so oftentimes we don't ever get out of our posture of saying, this is not okay. This is not okay. This is happening. This is happening. This is happening. This is happening. It's not okay. Some of us don't ever change this posture and we wallow in the hurt and we wallow in the pain and we just stay here. But whenever we begin our prayer and we change our focus to start our prayers, focusing on who God is, our posture changes. We stand up and we look towards heaven and we say, this is who you are. And so biblically, even when Jesus teaches us to pray, the our father, right? Our father who is holy and in heaven. This is how you pray. We focus on God and he's like, God, you are great and you are awesome and you keep your promises and, 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 and you will fight for us and you will be there for us who, who keep your commands. Remember us. We know it. And he calls out all the things that God is because whenever you start your prayer with calling out to who God is, your prayers begin to take form. Because whenever you focus on who God is as, as the planner, the dreamer, the provider, hope, the create, I mean, come on, let's go all day. And whenever you start focusing on the reality of who God is, the reality of your situations, like, oh, the things that aren't okay, he's going to make okay. You know, it brings our posture like, like, oh, why am I wallowing down here? Because he brings dead things back to life. He talks and things come to formation, like separates. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? And so, so all this happens when we focus on God, our prayers begin to lift. He's the guy who honors his commandments. He's the guy who honors his promises. He's the guy who loves his people. He calls us sons and daughters. Oh, he cares. Well, if you care, 
And it starts going from there. Whenever we focus on who God is, it changes from us praying to God and it changes to us praying with God. We pray with God. It's not us going, I hope you can hear me. Pastor Allen talked about he's right here. You don't have to yell at him. You know, let's pray. We pray our hearts are connected. That's the subtitle, connecting our hearts to God. We want to pray the things that grieve God's heart. We want to pray the things that inspire God's heart. We want to pray God's dreams. We want to be connected to that and not be caught up here. It's not okay. Stand up, look upon who you serve. Then what? Then what? because there's a lot more. What does Nehemiah do? How do we, we pray the heartbeat of God? How do we bring that out of us? Well, going back to the passage, here's the thing that Nehemiah does. Remember the instructions you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are, are at the furthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place that I have chosen a dwelling in my name. They are your servants and your people whom you've redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. The thing that Nehemiah is doing here, he's calling upon the name of God. Here's who you are. And then he says, and this is what you said, right? He says, this is what you said. If this is who you are, this is what you said. And he says, you promised us that even if we were scattered from all over, even if we were at the farthest horizon, if we changed and we came back and we honored your commandments, that you would make a home for us, that you would bring us back. You, you said this. I love that. He's praying the promises of God. He knows the promises of God. Because he calls upon the character of God, because he calls upon the name of God, he knows the promises of God. In fact, it's like him saying, I'm, you're even affirming this is not okay. So if I say this isn't okay, and you say this isn't okay, what are you going to do about it? You've promised. I love that. Because the Bible is full of the promises of God. It's full of the promises of God. In fact, when I'm in the Bible, right, so it's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is amazing. Like I'm, I'm going through it and it's like, God's making all things brand new and God's redeeming all the, you know, and, and here's what God's doing and, and here's the promises of God. And I'm just like brought up on this cloud. And I'm really, really happy. And then as soon as I close it, I'm like, huh, it's not the experience that I have. That doesn't seem like the church to me. You know, like the Bible says that the, the God's church, you know, the gates of hell cannot prevail against. It's like, really? Man, all I have to do is change a tiny tot's time. And, you know, there's an upheaval, you know? It's like, really? You know, it's like, like, like the things of the Bible are amazing and inspiring. And then you look and you're like, Really? Because what, I mean, there's brokenness in my family, there's hurt in my family, and there's 
death happening and this isn't okay and this isn't okay. But God promises this, but I'm caught in between going, he says this, but this is my reality. And this is where prayers begin. This place of God promises, God promises, he speaks. And then our broken earth, prayers are places of in-between that collide heaven into earth. They collide heaven into earth. That's what God does. That's, that is the Lord's prayer. Whenever you pray the promises of God, the thing you're doing is saying, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Crash that into this. Crash that into this. Make this that. It's what you're doing up there where you are holy and people obey you. Make that down here. All the things that you are doing, you are holy, our Father in heaven, glory be your name. Thy kingdom come here. There's a gap in between that the church has to find itself that it prays out of. It prays from this disillusioned, broken heart saying, this is not okay. You think this is not okay. Let's move. And that's what cup bearers to the kings do. They're entrusted advisory positions and they inspire people with things that they themselves had tasted first. Their prayers come from places of brokenness and hurt that call out, thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come. And this is the thing, this is the thing. The cup bearer always serves at the king's table. He always serves at the king's table. And, and so th this is the very thing that happened in Matthew 36 in the garden of Gethsemane. We find, find Jesus, who is God himself, about to be crucified. And he's praying. He's praying as he's sweating blood. And, and as he calls out to his father in the same pattern of Nehemiah, and he says, oh, father, because he's looking up, he's saying, oh, father, oh, father, if, if it is your will at all, may this cup pass from me. In the image and the vocabulary of the cup bearer, if it's okay, I don't want to drink this cup because he knows as a good cup bearer, this cup will kill him. I don't want to drink this one. But there was a gap here. The gap is the whole point of why Jesus came. Because of how things are here is not how things are here. And the kingdom of God needs to crash in to the kingdom of earth. And Jesus drank the cup, drank the cup after the truth that, that it was God's will that he died on the cross so that heaven could crash into earth. And so at the end of his prayer, he says, thy will be done. So in this pattern, oh God of you know, heaven, God the Father, don't, let, don't make me drink this, but I will, if it is your will, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. What would it be like to drink of that cup? What would it be like to drink of that cup that says things are not okay? 
What would it be like to come up to the king's table and say, if there's poison in that cup, I will drink it anyway to crash heaven and to earth? The reality is that is the cup. That is the cup that the Christian church has been passing down for 2,000 years. It's the call of Christ. It's the call to say, if, if, you, if you believe in this, if you follow me, follow me and drink of this cup. This is the cup that proclaims things that are here are not how they should be. And it's praying heaven to collide into earth. It's saying, we can't do this. It's saying God's promises are at hand. God's kingdom is coming. Do you drink of this cup? And that's what communion is all about. It's stepping into the place that Christ stepped and said, he did it. He did it. He didn't pray for himself, but he prayed for the broken. He didn't pray for himself, but he drank the cup. He was the most trusted position. What would it be like physically, poetically, spiritually, if you were serious about drinking the cup that our prayers built? What would that be like? What would it be like to be broken for our city? What would it be like to not be comfortable? Like, I love Greeley. I love Greeley. And because I love Greeley, it's not okay. There's so many things about my city that are not okay. What would it be like for us to be the cup bearer for our city? To grieve for it, to mourn for it, to be down here and saying, you know, guys, things are not okay. But the thing bring our posture up and say, man, God, here's who you are and here's how you see our city and this is your dream for it. This is, then what would it be like with open hands to pray, God, your kingdom come here. Your kingdom come here. What would it be like if the church did that? I think we as Christ Community Church are going to find out and you don't have an option because this is what our church does. So I want to invite you into a time of corporate prayer. Um, corporate prayer um, is um, a way of us praying together as a church family uh, for our city, for our families and the things that are going on. And, and how we're going to do it today, it'll be more of a call and response type of prayer. So I will say a sentence, and then at the end of the sentence, then I'll say, and Christ community has. And I will say these sentences um, in groups of three. The first time that we all pray together, our posture is going to be sitting down, kind of you know, in the posture of, this is not okay. Okay, so all of you are already here. Great, right? And we're going to be in this posture, and I'm going to say something, and then I'll say, Christ community says, and then as a congregation, and please believe it, pray from your heart, you will all together, you'll say, this is not okay, right? And then the second group, the, the second group of prayers, we're all going to stand up, together. And then I will read sentences. And then I'll say, Christ community says. And then as a congregation, you all will say, God, show us your promises. Then 
we will change our posture to have our open hands, right? We will have our open hands and I will go through the sentences again and as a congregation, we will say, your kingdom come. Sound good? Are there any questions here? All right, we're good. All right, so let's do it. I'm gonna open us up in prayer and then we will go from here. Please uh, be in a posture of this is not okay. Oh God, thank you for hearing the prayers of our church. You are a God who has your ear turned towards us. You are a God who has a heart for his people. You are a God who feels our pain. You are a God who sees us because you are here. Oh God, hear our prayer. God, there, there are tons of children in our city who are in families in home situations that put them in serious risk of being neglected and malnourished, very undereducated, very under-resourced, and they're not fully equipped to develop into who you are calling them to be. God, children in our city are hurting, and Christ's community says, this is not okay. There are many in our community who have fallen into the destructive power of addiction and past hurt and drugs and anxiety and depression and people are dying. And Christ's community says, this is not okay. God, many of our brothers and sisters are caught in cycles of poverty and are not able to get out. Christ community says, this is not okay. God, there are people who have come from the four corners of the earth, from Syria, from, from Africa, from, from Asia, all to Greeley, and they are often forgotten about. They are our forgotten people. And Christ community says, this is not okay. God, the gang culture in our city is growing and is powerful and it entraps our kids and our young adults and they feel like there is no hope for them and there isn't any getting out. And Christ's community says, this is not okay. Oh God, there are 200,000 people in our circle of influence, in our sphere of influence as a church who are disconnected from the church. And there are hundreds of thousands of people in Colorado, and there are millions of people all over the globe that are disconnected from you. And Christ Community Church says, this is not okay. God, hear our prayer, hear our cry, hear our heart. These things are not okay. All right, Christ community, please stand up and change your posture. Change your posture into a posture of standing up and gazing upon the face of God as we go through this again. Oh God, you are a God who cares for the children of our city. You care for, for the families of our city. And you agree that how things are is not okay. God, you are the God of hope. And we pray that you bring your hope to the broken children, the broken families. Bring your kingdom.
And Christ's community says, show us your promises. Many in our community have fallen to this destruction, powers of addiction, past hurt and pain. And God, you are the antithesis of that. You are the God of hope. You are the God of beauty. You are the God of freedom. God, you promise freedom. And Christ's community says, show us your promises. Many of our brothers and sisters are caught into the cycle of poverty and can't get out. God, you are the God of anti-poverty. You are the God of abundance. You are the God of health. God, you are the God wherever you are, things spring up. And the dryness of the earth brings forth water and beauty. God, bring your water and beauty and provision and freedom here into our city. And Christ's community says, show us your promises. God, people are coming from the four corners of the earth here, and we have forgotten them. Forgive us. You are a God who knows the name and the hair count and the story of every single person. You forget no one. God, teach us how to care for those who are coming to us and that your church is filled with people from the four corners of the earth. God, you talk about how in the end that the great banqueting table is filled with every tribe, country, and nation. God, Christ community says, show us your promises. The gang culture has ensnared and entrapped our kids and our young adults and they feel trapped and they feel like they cannot get out and that they have no hope. You are the God who bears hope with every step and you care for those who are imprisoned, those who are trapped. You are the way out. Christ community says, show us your promises. 2,000 people in our sphere of influence, 2,000 people are disconnected from you. And we have a direct obligation to these 2,000 people. Tens of thousands of people, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people more everywhere have no idea of who you are and are disconnected from you. God, you came for the 2,000 people. God, you came for the 10,000, the 100,000, and the millions. Your story is earth-shattering. Your story comes from a place of heartbreak, and you bear promise to redeem people. Christ community says, show us your promises. And as a church, put your hands out in a posture of prayer as we ask God to bring his kingdom. God, our homes are broken. Bring your kingdom to our children and our families. Christ community says, thy kingdom come. God, our community is, has fallen under the power of addiction, past hurts and pain. In your kingdom, there is no addiction, there is no past hurts, and there is no pain. Christ community says, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. 
God, many of our brothers and our sisters are caught in cycles of poverty. Poverty does not exist in your kingdom. Christ community says, thy kingdom come. The people have come from the four corners of the earth trying to find a home here. They have been forgotten. Your kingdom is home for everybody. Christ community says, thy kingdom come. The gang culture has ensnared kids and entrapped our young adults and they feel like there is no hope and cannot get out. Gangs do not exist inside the kingdom of God. Christ community says, thy kingdom come. 2,000 people are in our sphere of influence that are disconnected from the church and tens of thousands more are disconnected from God. Your kingdom is the ultimate connection to you. Christ community says, thy kingdom come. God, we pray for your kingdom to come. We want to pray earth shattering prayers to you. We want to drink of the cup. God, in this space and in this time, show us your heart, connect our hearts to you. Teach us to pray as you pray. You are the God who does things. You are the God who is active. Do stuff now.